Martin in the backfield. Winston, handoff. Martin going airborne. Martin soaring over the pile for the touchdown. The Buccaneers in front. Brady under center. Deep drop. Brady throws. End zone. Run at the goal line. It's hauled in. Chris Hogan. He breaks the plane for the touchdown. This is a must-have. 49-yard attempt for Nick Folk. The approach, and Folk shakes it to the left. It's not even close. Along the left hash from 31 yards away, Folk misses it to the left. But he's got the yips. He might be looking for a new career. Winston, out of the gun, steps up, throws it to the end zone. Caught! Cameron Brayton. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. And that was the toughest catch of the night. They got one shot to win it. Seven defensive backs for New England. From the 19. Final play. Winston from the gun. Steps up. Winston throws it. End zone. Knocked away. It's over. The Patriots hold on. All right. Hello. Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips. Getting you in the game. And, uh, yeah, it's our week Five preview show. God, the season is absolutely flying by. Uh, there's nothing to plug party-wise this week, but do go on and check out Touchdown Trips because they've just released some information about a few new tours that they're doing, a few new trips they've got coming up. So go online and check that out because there's plenty of top info there. Uh, the show today, stripped back, just going to be us talking about football. No guests, no messing around, just me, Ollie Hunter, Matt Sherry, and his heavy breathing, all talking <laughs> some top football action. Uh, hey, guys, how are we doing? Yeah, Wonderful. Groovy, 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 groovy. I like how that ascended slowly <laughs> over time. Just been discussing the high octane and very important subject of what you have in a sausage sandwich. Uh, Ollie's a mustard and ketchup man. I like a brown sauce. I like that little bit of spice to oh, it. I chuck in a brown sauce. Fruity sauce is great as well. You don't often see it, but fruity is a gr- HB fruity. It's a great sauce. Uh, and Matt Sherry just onion went, chutney, love that. That's a great, uh, that's a great condiment. Really oh, good shout, man. mate. I knew there was a reason I was a big fan of yours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Sherry just went dry today, but with an egg, so it was fine. But the, the the thing I would say is, if I'm making the sandwich myself instead of buying it from a shop which added this one, I I don't like egg whites, so I will sift out the egg yolk pre-cooking. Put the egg yolk into a ladle and then just cook the egg yolk for about forty seconds, which gives you a perfect runny yolk with no egg white. I um I realised that Sarah was the woman for me when I found out that she doesn't like egg yolks and I don't like egg whites. So we could always swap on our breakfast. Hey, how weird's that? I don't like egg white either. It freaks me out. So you're the man for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no you're not. You're, so who, who, you could have ended up with Sarah. That's you, what we're saying. No, what I'm saying is weird. Which of that, you which of you likes the yolk? Do you like the yolk? Well, we're, we're, it sounds like the three of us are all yolk men. I mean, we just did discuss that we are all yolk men, and then anyway, Sherry, it's like he doesn't pay any attention. <laughs> we are all yolk men. But what I'm saying is, uh, I, uh, <laughs> anybody who says that they like the egg whites is a liar. Aren't it's weird, right? It's for, weird, and I think there are lots of people. Taste of anything? Oh, it's and when you fry it, it goes all slimy and gross. Yeah, I, I can't understand it in any way, the white. I don't, I'm not that keen on the yolk either, but if I had to choose one or the other, it would be the yolk. We, uh, we actually put out for a request for Twitter questions for the first time in a while today, and there are a lot of food-based ones of those, so maybe we'll get back to this at the back end of the show. But oh, yeah, nice. let's talk some actual football. There are four teams on bye week this week, and I'm going to try and remember them off the top of my head and fail miserably. The Falcons. Yeah. The Saints. The Saints. 
coming off London. Washington. Uh, Washington and Denver. Denver. Uh, the only reason I know any of those is based on fantasy alone <laughs> and who I've had to replace for bye weeks this yeah. week. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I probably wouldn't have had a clue. And we've already had one Thursday night game. So let's kick off talking about Thursday night football, where those lucky, lucky Patriots, Matt Sherry, three missed field goals. You decide to not go for a 52-yarder because you're backing your defense. You're saying, look, guys, I think that we're going to be able to stop them. They then manage three long drives of which only one results in a touchdown, one results in a missed field goal after an easy catch wasn't made. And the last one was the game-ending drive that was never to be. Uh, between that and uh, and uh, Tom Brady getting sacked, he's now been sacked more times this season through five weeks than he was in the entire of last year against a team who only had registered one sack in their opening three games. The Patriots just living a charmed life, Matt Sherry. Yeah, I mean, that's not the case at all, obviously. But, um... <laughs> Sorry, we've got, we've got a big one, guys! But, He's a giant I mean, baby, guys! The whole the whole field goal thing is slightly misleading because the, the 59-yarder was one of them in the first half. Easy. And, and the, it wasn't the 59 one, yards either, it was 52, but yeah, OK. Well, it was, it was, no, it was late 50s, wasn't it? No, it was about 52, 53, but right. even so, I, I, as time I, expires, either, tough. Either way, even... When he was a good kicker, Nick Fork has never been a guy who, even With... forty-five plus, is is dangerous for him. He used to be really consistent up to about forty-seven yards, and then it was variable after that. So I don't think the first two were gimmies. He's obviously, obviously, the third one was was just ridiculous, and he's completely short of confidence. But I mean, there's a lot being made about the fact that had the made the field goals they would have won I mean that obviously isn't the case because the, the game changes with every kicked field yeah, goal yeah. And I, obviously and it does and I think it's... that the Patriots probably would have gone for that 52 yarder which we know based on last week and Goskowski's been absolute money over recent weeks he probably would have made but yeah they made the decision to back the defence then they went kind of prevent defence and let the Jameis Winston kind of back into the game but I, I have to say overall the defence apart from I don't understand why the Bucks through so much. I mean, I guess there's the argument that Doug Martin hasn't taken much contact yet, so he needs to be kept fresh. But when Doug Martin did run the ball, he, he looked, looked like an absolute monster. Yeah. And yeah, I, think, I don't think uh, your run defence necessarily improved. I just think the Bucks didn't run the ball. I, I think the run defence is the big concern because that was, I mean, they had probably one of the top three or four run defences in the league last season. And that, to me, is where the, where the real obvious concern is because... The, the secondary has just been communication breakdowns largely. I mean, we saw last night that when those don't happen, the second the secondary on paper is one of the best in the NFL in terms of pure talent. I don't think anybody would, would doubt that, and I don't think anybody doubts that they'll be that good later in the season. But to me, the run defense is still a major concern, and I don't know, I don't see why the Bucks didn't attack them in that area more, especially after the first touchdown drive. But ultimately, I think I said, that the Patriots just needed to get a win one way or another, and they did that. And But actually, they did that in a way that was more promising in the way the defence did step forward. And if you'd have said before the game that the Patriots would score 19 points, I think we all would have thought that they'd lose the game. So it was a win that said more about the team and the mentality of the team than it did the, the on-field product. I still think the I still think on the other side of the thing, the Bucks still have reasons to be cheerful. I mean, having this short week when you're missing both of your starting linebackers, when they are as strong as the Bucks linebackers are, is a problem. Brent Grimes 
coming back was a, was a boon for them, it seemed, but he didn't have the most productive of games, not dissimilar to uh, Vontae Davis for the Colts last weekend when he came back and immediately was dealing with... Uh, clearly still dealing with fitness issues, still a yard off the pace. So I just don't think the Bucks should be pressing the panic button quite yet. But um, when you consider how strong the Panthers have looked already so far, and I expect the Falcons to bounce back this week, uh, it's, it's home games you need to be winning, boys, and uh, you've dropped one. Do you so. think that uh, Winston looked a little bit panicky, especially on that third, final throw? They were terrible on third downs last I night. I think he really looks a bit poor. like a... A deer in the headlights at times. I, and I, I thought the books were mainly let down by just a terrible job from the coaching staff because not, not only on the running game, but also, I mean, I can think of maybe less than 10 times where they got in a bunch formation, which is what the Patriots have struggled to cover. I mean, if you watch that Panthers game, most of the breakdowns were on bunch formation, so surely you would load a load of those into the game plan. I mean, mm. I thought the Buccaneers coaches had a lot to answer for for, for various aspects of the game, and, and that was the main one to me. But uh, Winston did have an off night as well. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, he was basically reverential talking about playing against Tom Brady before the game to almost like a five-year-old kid in terms of thinking about what he was going to say when he met him and stuff. And part of me thinks that some of that played into it as well because you can give opponents a little bit too much respect in the end and he looked like he wanted to overly prove a point and, and maybe he should have just played the, the football that's got him to this point. Uh, let's turn our attention to the Sunday games then and start off with the the six... We'll, do, we'll go chronologically if that's all right, guys. We'll start off with those 6pm kickoffs and... Uh, Look, the game to start off with, I mean, the fact that it probably was already on paper looking like the best of the six o'clock kickoffs anyway this weekend. But then you add to it the uh, the Darth Vader, sorry, the big news story over the uh, over the past couple of days regarding Cam Newton. And it takes on a whole additional wrinkle. So Panthers at Lions, we'll talk football in a minute, but it'd be ridiculous of us not to in some way address Cam Newton's comments to the female reporter saying that it was funny hearing a woman talk about routes. He's since released an apology video. And I I have to say that whilst I I, I found it, what I would say is I found it ridiculous that there was this woman, uh, Jordan, uh, what's her surname? It's it's a really interesting, it's like missing a a letter, it looks like when you read it. Uh, It's really bad that I can't remember after the last few days, isn't it? I spoke about Jordan Rodrigue. Um, Rodrigue, yeah. You'd feel like it should be Rodrigue. Yeah, it looks like someone's uh, misspelt it, but it's obviously not. Jordan Rodrigue, who actually is a really good film study. I went back and looked at some of her her stuff from like the uh, the Panthers website, and she she clearly knows her stuff um the fact is is that people then went and trolled through her old tweets and found something from four or five years ago where she tweeted jokingly about how funny it was that her dad still tells racist jokes and saying well hold on we're all having a go at cam for being sexist this woman is racist i'm sorry Uh. but it's the prime example of two wrongs do not make a right and even if she is some white supremacist which that one tweet whilst being ill-advised doesn't necessarily tell us the whole story there were people going ah see this is all about a media agenda this is turning on cam and race should be the conversation particularly considering recent weeks cam newton's comments were completely unacceptable. Yeah. And uh, obviously tweeting that racism's funny, equally unacceptable. But the thing that happened more recently was Cam Newton's comments. And I think it's absolutely right he's been lambasted. And the fact that it's taken him two or three days to come out and, and apologise 
is pretty ridiculous. I feel a little bit like a mansplaining. We should have got a woman on to talk about this, maybe. So a female reporter. Because there are some brilliant ones out there. The Mary Kay Cabots of this world. And, and yeah, yeah. Sarah Barshot. Yeah. And, yeah. I, you know. I, Catherine Terrell. I, I don't want to be like, I'm here representing women. Because I don't know what it's like to be a woman reporting in the NFL. I imagine it's very hard. Particularly in those locker room environments. If you're being treated that way. It's just a bit frustrating that people have then tried to turn the conversation to something else when Cam needs to take his licks for what he said. The, the most ridiculous thing about the whole video is the fact that he, he mentions in there that he's lost sponsors. I mean, which is which to me is something that really shouldn't be mentioned in it because it kind of then makes me think, well, that's the main reason you're doing this then because you've lost sponsors. And yes, he mentioned losing fans as well, but... Yeah, it was it was just bad all round. I mean, the, you say one tweet, but the three tweets on our Twitter account aren't great either. I mean, two wrongs don't make a right, and I'm not suggesting that they they are for any for one second. But the whole episode is just ugly on on all sides, I think. And I mean, are we not past this at this point? The fact that we we seemingly not, and the fact that it's a, I mean, if a if a 75 year old coach stood up there and said it, I could almost understand it from the level of institutional thoughts and yeah i mean that generation there, there is an element coming of from that, but it's coming it's, from a young quarterback it's absolutely ridiculous i, I mean I, surely we're more enlightened in this generation now with this kind of stuff i kind of feel like we've also got to the point where we're beyond going like saying oh when your grandson when your granddad says something racist or or sexist no, absolutely, oh he's from yeah. a different generation that 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 might, you might go away with that 30 years ago. I don't think you can get away with that anymore. But yeah, I for a, a guy in his 20s to be making these sorts of comments, absolutely ridiculous. And a real shame that it comes the week after they go and beat the Patriots in Foxborough yep. and Cam Newton suddenly starts to look like 2015 Cam Newton. I, you know, it, it's frustrating that that's what we're now talking about because of the six o'clock games this weekend, Ollie, this looks like a great game. Yeah, it does look like a great game. And the Panthers have proved that they're decent on the road. OK, it was against... A Pats defense last week, who, which was terrible. They they changed that up slightly against the the Bucks yesterday or last night. Um, for my two penneth, I think he feels like I think it was a, a joke that fell flat, and perhaps there is somewhere in the back of his mind he feels like that. And I'd like to, and the, the positive person in me would like to think that he doesn't feel like that. But yeah, this is a great game because you have got Stafford, who's fantastic this year, uh, great with the deep ball looking like Matt Stafford that we all thought and hoped he would be against the Panthers and and, and uh, Cam's back and Devin Funches, Kelvin Benjamin. The one thing, and I wonder, I want to get Matt Sherry's take on this, the one thing I'm worried about, mainly because I properly backed him in fantasy, is Christian McCaffrey and his role in the running game. He's been used in the passing game, but why hasn't he been as effective on the ground, Matt? I, I, I just think generally with McCaffrey, it's getting to the point now where... It's all well and good getting this piece and trying to implement him into the offense. But for me, it's about just going back to bread and butter with McCaffrey and saying, look, this guy's a really good player. Let's run some players with him as a running back and do things that... I think they've got overly creative with McCaffrey to the point that... And it works on some occasions. Like Part of the reason Fozzie Whittaker scored a touchdown on a screen against the Patriots is the defense was so focused on McCaffrey. But to your point, I, I just think that there's an element of... They're almost trying to over gadgetize the players that McCaffrey's involved in. Do you think if he was some? Um, do you think if he was playing for the New England Patriots, he'd, he'd have had a bigger season by now? Well, yeah, I would think so because I think they know how to use guys like that a lot more than than Carolina. I, I, I think, still it's, think it's, Carolina it's... are trying to find the role 
for McCaffrey. Exactly. And I think they will and, find it. And I think it's, it's but, no coincidence that last week they moved back to what they'd done so well in 2015 example, and that's what made them look good. It was heads-up football, it was extra tight ends in, it was then... Cam using that and using the play action and everything else to find those deep shot opportunities. Whereas with McCaffrey and uh, with Curtis Samuel as well, both these kind of out... Because he's listed as a wide receiver, but actually plays a similar, almost like third down back sort of role. Those guys both have that element to it. So I think it's just finding a way to fit those into the offense and get it comfortable. And now that Cam is looking from a health perspective much better, mm. I think that's what they'll do. I think the Lions' defense is, is one of the more underrated units in the league. We've said that quite a few times, so that should be a really good matchup. And based on balance of play, I said at the start of the season, I think Matt Stafford's a top 10 NFL quarterback. I think he's playing like a top five quarterback when you consider the level of quarterback play across the league right now. So I think that's the pick of the six o'clock games. And I am taking for our Pick'em games, I think I might take the Panthers to go back-to-back road wins. Yeah, I'm taking the Panthers as well. I think the Lions will win fairly comfortably. I, I, I don't think the Panthers are as good as the people think they are because the Patriots were so bad last week and they are only two weeks removed from getting pretty comfortably handled by the Saints. Uh, let's move on and talk about from the six o'clock kickoffs elsewhere. Uh, I'm just looking at which game I actually want to talk about from these <laughs> games now because it gets really good after nine o'clock. There's a few duffers in the six o'clock time slot. Uh-huh. Let's talk about the toilet bowl. Chargers 0-4 going to the Giants 0-4. So it's going to be a tie right guys. I mean yeah it could be. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I think the Chargers have been unlucky thus far, and the Giants have just been bad. I mean, the Giants still have lost their last two games by a single score and by a late score. So there's an argument that they've not been as bad as their record suggests. There's three teams right now on 0-4 in the 49ers, the Giants, and the Chargers who have all got one bad loss on the season, but then three very close losses. I mean, the 49ers have lost their last four games, three games by a combined eight points, for example. So... You kind of you could talk about luck with all those teams, but actually, not unlike the Patriots last night, good teams make their own luck, and yeah. neither the Giants or, nor the Chargers have done that. Whether it's through bad coaching, bad management in the fourth quarter, and uh, yeah, you know, this could be a very messy game if nothing else. I mean, the the, the Chargers. I mean, I I picked them to go to the FC Championship game, so that was obviously wrong. But ultimately, I would defend them, and I don't think it's bad luck at all. Eventually, it becomes a pattern that they're not getting out of. And last week, for example, they, they got within two of Philadelphia and then literally had three opportunities to make a stop on third down and get the ball back. And each time, Philadelphia, who had not run the ball well all season, just ran for first downs comfortably. So for me, it's a, it's an all-round breakdown with the Chargers mentally that in those spots, they don't seem to come up with it. So I, 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 I like the Giants in this game. I think the Giants have played better the last two weeks in, in difficult games that they've lost. So I, I would think the Giants will get the win, particularly yeah, as the home team. I've taken the Giants as well. I think they can't continue to be that bad. And you're right, Matt. Their their performances have been on the up. Uh, so, yeah, Giants for me. We'll go. I'll, I'll tell you why I'm taking the Chargers in this game. <laughs> because watching that Eagles game back is one of the games I did watch back this week. The Eagles tackles did an absolutely brilliant job of handling the, char- the, the very good, uh, even top in the league, 
pairing, as we've called it before, Chargers pass rush. I have serious concerns about Bobby Hart and Eric Flowers as a tackle tandem. And I think Eli Manning could be in for a really rough day and that the offense isn't designed to necessarily deal with that. So I'm going to take the Chargers based on that unit beating Tother. That's a great point that might make me change my pick. My pick is largely based on the psychological blow of losing all these games. Close, but I think that is a very good point. You could see them getting two or three turnovers with those pass rushes. Bills at Bengals. The Bengals suddenly get healthy last week. The Bills are a team that we maybe none of us expected to quite be the Jets level of tanking as we were talking about before the season. We'll get onto the Jets as well. Uh, but the Bills looking like a really good football team. And actually going to a Bengals side who, with Bill Lazor on offense last week, started to really put things together. And uh, actually, for a 3-1 and one team going to face a 1-3 and three team... It's not that surprising to see the Bengals as very slight favourites, and it's quite exciting, uh, a prospect of a game. I mean, yeah, I'd agree. Um, The Bengals, they looked okay against the Packers, should have done better, looked pretty good against a very good Browns, a very bad Browns side, sorry, last week. Um, I think it's actually good that they've moved on from Tyler Eifert, Tyler Croft come in, and that's a big outlet for for Andy Dalton it looks like he trusts him AJ Green there as well that defense always plays nasty um and the Bills the Bills are one of the most curious teams for me because you don't they've sneakily gone to three and one um I don't really know what they do because they can be brilliant on the ground with Tyrod Taylor and LaShawn McCoy one week and then the next week not get anything on the ground and then there's that defense that plays well when we I, I, I don't know about the Bills I think that's it's why I, that's why I kind of like the balance in this game because while Sean McDermott is coaching this Bills team up really nicely at the moment and getting better play out of a defensive backfield than we thought he was and and everything else I do think that the Bengals have got the talent on defence to put up a stout run defence. And if you can't get LaShawn McCoy going and Tyrell Taylor with his legs, he's only averaging 186 yards through the air so far, Tyrell Taylor. And I like Tyrell Taylor, but he's not a guy who you want to be throwing it 35, 40 times a game. And they might force him to do that, which is why I think it's a, it's a tighter game than records and stats so far suggest, Matt Sherry. It's the classic banana skin game, isn't it? Where a, a team who you never expected to be in a position is suddenly in that position. And it's almost harder to win a game like this, this than it is to go into Atlanta at times because you've just beat Atlanta and suddenly there's expectation. And a game like this, to me, it's all about whether they can handle that expectation more so than than the X's and O's. I mean, the, the impressive thing from their perspective is I don't think a team scored more than 17 points against them this season. That's that shows how well Sean McDermott's done with that defence. And and they're basically the, the opposite of, of what Bill's teams in recent years have been, which is fundamentally very sound. And there just looks to be a good culture within the locker room now, which is not something we've said in the past. But does that culture extend to, to winning games when there's when there's real expectation? And we'll, we'll find that out this week. And you talk about that culture. LeSean McCoy, after the game in Atlanta was calling out every journalist it seemed saying who picked us you no one picked us and I think there's a, an us versus them mentality akin to like Jose Mourinho at uh, Chelsea the way he he created that um, everyone's against us thing and they've they've gone to three and one and you could easily see them go four and one or you could easily see them go four and uh, three and two but I have picked the Bengals in this Mash Harry where have you gone yeah I'm, I'm going to go off the 
Bengals just because of the amount of times you you see this with teams early in the season and then it kind of just it falls off a cliff a bit. Yeah, I'm with you both. Bengals, agreement all round. Let's uh, talk about the last of the games which uh, uh, still has some kind of uh, potential playoff implication for both teams. That's a total lie, but the Cardinals are sat at 2-2, two and two, so you never know. Uh, the Cardinals going to the 3-1 and one Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field, looking to head to 4-1 and one in the NFC East. They beat the Chargers 26-24 on the road last week. Cardinals recording that ridiculous overtime win over the San Francisco 49ers, which we chuckled about earlier this week. Um, I, I, Philadelphia, this is similar to what I said on Wednesday, but the balance that they've got on their offense now is what excites me for them being able to beat a Cardinals defense, which still on paper and on performance a couple of times this year is very, very good, Matt Sherry. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think the Eagles have been one of the one of the better teams in the NFL so far in terms of they've they've just been really impressive. And their only loss was in Kansas City, where they actually played them close for a lot of it. So it it, it is an interesting one. I mean, Arizona are the kind of team with the veteran presence that they've got there, where you could see them pull it together and actually be a decent team. But to me, they've been one of the most unimpressive teams in the NFL this year. And and it's a tough spot anyway. Any any road game in Philadelphia is tough. I, I think the Eagles generally play play games close. They almost never win in in the kind of fashion that you maybe want to win. But I would expect them to probably win this one more handily than they have any other game this season. I, I think my kind of feeling on it, Ollie, is you've got a really good balanced offense with the Eagles, who are staying consistent. And on the other side of the ball, we've seen quarters, even halves, where Carson Palmer has looked like him at a at a high level maybe not at his very best but certainly still at least a serviceable quarterback in this league and they, they tend to just ebb and flow and drop out of games yeah. and it's that consistency I think that has me going Eagles and the 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 thing about their offense the Cardinals offense is they weren't actually that good when David Johnson was fit for that game and a half um I think with Andre Ellington they've found something there that's kind of interesting but their wide receivers Larry Fitzgerald aside, are so inconsistent dropping passes or catching ridiculous passes. They don't have a tight end of of note. Um, Carson Palmer is one of the most immobile quarterbacks in the league. And going up against that Eagles defense, the Eagles defense who plays, who's played really well, uh, there's always a turnover in them or forcing a turnover. I've got the Eagles in this, but um, again, it's a bit like what Cardinals team is going to show up and can they show up for four quarters if they do show up and I don't think they can so I think we're Eagles all round on that one four more early games to get through and then we'll go to some Twitter questions before we do the late games maybe just an idea and then Ollie's going to have to bugger off for the late games uh, pretty soon in fact so let's rattle through the last of these six o'clock kickoffs Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars sit at two and two heading to the Pittsburgh Steelers one of the heaviest favourited lines of the week the Steelers an eight point favourite and uh, there's, there's the small if I'm looking for a positive for the Jags is that up-and-down defence, they will be able to get to a Ben Roethlisberger, a guy who has become less and less mobile, and the line hasn't been as good in pass pro as it was in previous years. However, if they give the ball to Le'Veon Bell 30-plus times again like they did last week, I think they're going to find big plays, and I think the Jags might get handed their asses on a plate this week. And what's great about the Steelers is is they found James Conner. Okay, they had D'Angelo Williams last year. Williams didn't stay on. James Connors come in and looked like a really good complementary back for when Le'Veon needs a bit of a break. And uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, uh, 
I know Big Ben has had his detractors, but he isn't turning the ball over as much as he everyone was expecting. I quite like the Steelers at the moment, and we, you, both you and I, will. I, I, I apologise to you. I have a, a public apology to make to you. You were high on their defence. I thought it was just me. You were as well. I like their defence. It's played much better than it, it. We thought it might have done this time last season. So I, I like the Steelers, Matt Sherry. Yeah, I think the Steelers will win this week. I mean, I'm not as high on the defence as you guys because we just haven't seen it based on the competition. And we certainly <laughs> and this week they get Blake Bortles. Great show. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is going to tell us nothing either. The James Connor, who you mentioned, there's a interesting guy who's a cancer survivor and, and a really good running back at, at Pitt so great to see him starting to emerge but yeah I think ultimately the Steelers will have too much for the Jaguars although who knows what we're going to get from the Jaguars week to week I'm not yeah. even sure what their coaching staff do so maybe maybe uh, our version maybe. of rattling through these games is not very rattling through let's, uh, let's rattle through Steelers all round uh, Titans in Miami the two teams who put on let's be honest the worst performances of last weekend have a chance to get healthy against each other but is there any thought from either of you two that the team that suddenly look a bit better are the Dolphins finally returning home for the first time this year yeah I think the Dolphins will win I oh mean, wow yeah, I mean, it's going to be Matt Castle, a quarterback, probably. And even uh, if it isn't, I'm not convinced that Mariota is going to be healthy. So, Is, it, and, is and this the worst two quarterbacks in the league this Sunday going head-to-head? Uh, no, I still think Cutler's better than that. But ultimately, he's not great. But <laughs> Not based I, on I last week, I don't. Or the last the, two the, weeks. The Titans' defence has been absolutely dreadful so far. So it is a chance for the Dolphins to really get back on track. Yeah. Uh, I I don't like either team on my on <laughs> on the pickums. I've picked the Titans. I could easily have picked the Dolphins. I'm just going to go with the Titans. I've taken the Dolphins on gridiron predictor because of Matt Castle, uh, and there's nothing to suggest that Marcus Mariota, if he did play, would be full go. I think I've gone for the Titans because of Jay Cutler. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> wow, 49ers Colts, 49ers. <laughs> I like that split there. <laughs> I'm going to take the 49ers. Do you know what? That collapse in the second half from Indianapolis last week was so disappointing live on TalkSport that uh, I just wanted to do that for that listener that got arsey about our TalkSport mentions uh, on Twitter this week. Uh, yeah, yeah, the 49ers um, are, like I said, the last three games they've lost by a collective eight points. Their defense still looked good again last week. I think, you know... One day, that defence is going to deliver the performance it needs to, and I think it could be against the Colts this week, even though Brian Hoyer is looking like absolute rubbish. And in fact, this is what I was going to raise when we were talking about that Blake Bortles issue. Uh, I know talking about other people's fantasy leagues is generally boring, but the position I've been left in this week, where in one dynasty league I've got Matt Ryan and then Blake Bortles as my backup, haven't replaced Blake Bortles, and my options to replace Blake Bortles for this week while Matt Ryan was on bye are Josh McCown, Brian Hoyer... EJ Manuel, and I don't even remember who the last one was, but somebody Josh also. McCown will, will, will get you some points. Get yeah, him in. I'd but, agree with that. But even, like, my point is, is that it's a deep league, and that is bleak. That is really very bleak. Uh, so that's the position I've been left in. Hoyer needs to stop the mistakes if we're going to get more than two wins this year, which I don't think we are. And the New York Jets, 2-2, two and two, going to the 0-4 Cleveland Browns. I picked the Browns on Gridiron Predictor just because I really want the Browns to win a game of football, but nothing I've seen over the last two weeks suggests that the Jets shouldn't win this game. I'm not going to let the Browns break my heart again. I'm, I'm picking the Jets. <laughs> 
I've, I've got the Jets. Yeah, I'm probably going to switch back to the Jets. Yeah. They've been a, a lot better than expected. Coney Ely, really good. The two rookie safeties have been really good. Blau Powell's running it well. Elijah Maguire had a good game last weekend. And uh, it, I, I, I won't go back over it again. But on the Around the NFL podcast, if you listen to uh, the latter part of this week's one, they go through all the people who they cut this summer while we were talking about them tanking. And none of them have made any impact anywhere else. And you kind of go, mm-hmm. actually, have they just cut bad players and made the right decisions? Well, they've kept Matt Forte. Yeah, okay. They didn't cut all the bad players, but they cut most of the bad players. Um, Let's turn our attention to the 9 o'clock games. But first, should we take some Twitter questions? Uh, Yeah. I have literally five minutes. Take a a little break, take some Twitter questions, and then we'll go on with the 9 o'clock games. Let's do it. Uh, Twitter questions then. Matt Sherry, you have them up in front of you because we're on terrible workplace Wi-Fi. So what do you got for us? What is your favourite Monster Munch flavour? And I believe that was asked by everybody's friend, Neil Dutton. I'm really glad that we've started the show this week with, uh, with a really big football question. And if anyone's answer is different to mine, I'll be disgusted. Pickled onion? Pickled onion. Yeah. Yeah, I can get on board with that. To be fair, though, I'm not that high on Monster Munch. I think there are better. Oh, I think there are better crisps out there. Monster Munch used to be my post-swimming snack when I was doing my swimming lessons that's where it went all wrong a <laughs> <laughs> real a real uh real was treat. it was it poor swimming or during swimming will be honest well that would be ridiculous oh, foxcross re- reply is great and i totally subscribe to this he says he's going to be controversial that he's never particularly cared for monster munch which is which is right matt sherry and i both agree give me a knickknack any day yeah, I like it. Knickknacks are great. Scampi and lemon. Whoa. You all, you all need to get I, I, yourself. I'm just picturing your swimming sessions, well as you've been sat in the pool eating Monster Munch and never attempted. <laughs> in the shallow end. I was, I in was, the shallow end. I, I'm actually, <laughs> ridiculously, I'm actually a really good swimmer. I think it's just because I float really well. But I passed all like my gold badges and stuff by the time I was like 11. I think that's where it went downhill. Maybe I did it too quickly and then gave up swimming, played rugby and got fat. Um the <laughs> I love it when people call us out on preseason predictions because Paddy Chris McManus asks, "Does Ollie Hunter still think the Eagles are going to pick fir- first overall in the 2018 draft?" Wow, I did say that. You did say that. Um, Steve, Stephen Adams asking a similar question: Who's the favourite for the number one draft pick at this point? I would say I don't think that they will pick number one. Uh, Carson <laughs> bold. Carson Wentz. They've already got too many wins, probably to pick. Yeah, number they've already one. won more games than the Browns <laughs> yeah. are going to win. Guaranteed. Car- Carson Wentz is. Uh, I said. I said the jury was open for me, and um, he has. He's reconvened, and uh, <laughs> you know they're making their de- you're, deliberation. You're really pushing this jury, <laughs> jury uh, analogy, and I'm enjoying it thoroughly. It, it wasn't quite working for there, me. There's a lot of questions on the same themes. So Stephen Adams asks, who's the favourite for the number one draft pick? But Alan asks, whose winless record will last the longest from the Browns, 49ers, Giants, Chargers? Could three win this weekend in a topsy-turvy season? Um, first of all, number one overall pick. I mean, the Browns are the obvious choice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Am I, uh, am I wrong in saying that? And then whose winless record's going to last the longest? I mean... Could be the, the Chargers or the Browns. Uh, do we think the Browns... I mean, this weekend, one of the Chargers or Giants has to lose it unless we get a ridiculous tie situation. I'm going to go bold. All yeah. of them. They're all going to go... <laughs> we'll, we'll go into week six winless. Uh, brilliant. But that, who's, <laughs> that means who, there will be a gonna, tie. <laughs> who's then is going to last the longest? 
the week the after, they'll all go in. No, I don't know. I don't know. It, 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 I think actually it's a, a coin flip if you're going to take anyone else other than the Browns. Uh, I think the Browns there, they go to the Texans next, then the Titans at home, then the Vikings at home, then at the Lions. Yeah, they haven't got very many winnable games, have they? Well, the the, the three winnable games that they had, they've already lost to. The 49ers have got to go to Washington, home to the Cowboys, to the Eagles, home to the Cardinals, home to the Giants. They could go winless for quite a long time if they don't win this weekend. We could see a situation where the still winless teams come mid-late November, definitely. Uh, I'm going to say the Browns, but I, I think it might be the 49ers. All right. Oh, how depressing. Uh, Roger Grace. Good question from Roger. Is Eli Manning just Flacco squared? Very little regular season production. Flaky <laughs> and relying on D. Only difference is Eli managed to run the playoffs twice instead of once. Yeah, I mean, he, he is. That's absolutely right. Can I no, I think, Eli, I think Eli Manning is a better quarterback than Joe Flacco over his career at yeah, this he, point. He is, but he, he hasn't been that great outside of the two Super Bowl years. I yeah. mean, actually, one year where he was really good at the start. But other than that, he's been largely just middle of the road. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a great... One of the greater questions we've had in recent weeks. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's harsh on Eli. I think particularly calling him Flacco squared, which suggests he's double Flacco. I think he's been a better regular season quarterback than Flacco, um, and he's had it with a lot more turnover in terms of coaching, in terms of... Yeah, I, I, I think that's a little harsh on Eli comparatively, but obviously they're both guys who have had a bit more success in the postseason than the regular. Is Flacco Eli Pied? Why pied? I don't know. Three point <laughs> Eli times pie. I, I, yeah. I always, I always Fat think Eli. when we when we think about careers that'll define a, a player that'll define a player's um, career. That that play in Denver where Baltimore luckily got to the championship game the year they won the Super Bowl, where the safety just missed the the ball completely. I think it was to Jacoby Jones, maybe. Um, how much has that completely changed the narrative of Joe Flacco's career? Like, if, if they get beat in that spot, they never win the Super Bowl. And he is just and probably not even the Ravens' quarterback anymore. I mean, you know, maybe if the 49ers ran the ball with Frank Gore! Yeah, good point. Be a different story. The, the, the best question that we've got, which is why I was briefly laughing as you were reading that one, <laughs> is from Alan Hasley, who said, if Nick Folk wanted to kick himself after last night's game, could he have managed it? And the answer is no. <laughs> well, Chris Baldwin on a similar theme. Kickers seem to be a problem for a lot of teams recently. Too much pressure? Are we expecting a little too much? No. It's, it's, you've got one job. Do it properly. It's getting worse, I think, generally in the league. Kicking is... And Sam, everybody talks about quarterbacks, offensive lines, coaches, but kicking is massively on the down, isn't but it? And what, sadly got, as well. You've got some, like, sorry, Ollie, but some great stories from recent weeks. Jake Elliott, uh, Buck Kicker, whatever his actual name was, Butker. Uh, the Greg Zerline, seven from seven yep. in recent weeks. And yet the, these teams like the Chargers and the Bucks can't find themselves one decent kicker. I mean, and, and sadly, as I was going to say, one of the league's best kickers is, is on IR and no longer in the league. Who's that? Carlos Santos. Oh, Do God. The uh, great. I'm really <laughs> glad that we got that in. Thank you, Ollie. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, Shall we go through the later games? I have to go. But my final thought is, if you haven't watched it, anyone, guys, get on Star Trek D- Discovery on Netflix. It's so good. Nah. Yeah, get out with your anti-Star Trek stuff. Not for me. I love it. Not for me. No, I'm not a fan either. I'm well, you, you know, if... Ter- terrible portrayals of women as well. What do you mean? Two, they've had two female captains, 
And she's not a captain yet. Well, they've got two female get protagonists. To, get the two female protagonists, and between them, in the first two episodes they were ever on, they've both started a war. So, because women can't handle being leaders and handle being in charge, obviously. Ooh, Clearly, can't. Right, Cam. Right Whoa, <laughs> you're out of order. Right, uh, Sherry... I was I was calling the writers of Star Trek Cam Newton. Not, not... You're out of order. Get out, Sherry. Your but... mic's off. Your mic's off. Get out. Come on. Love Slide the well. loudest doors in the world open. Yeah, there we go. I like this little studio. No, don't, no. Shut behind you. Come on. Be a reasonable human being. Ollie's coming round to mine later and we're going to have a little date and watch La La Land. I've, I say I didn't reply in the group, but I've not seen it either. It's, it's, it's a great movie. Although Sarah did rewatch it on, on a plane and said it wasn't, like, she thinks she was a bit caught up of the mood of the cinema rather than, uh, like, like it suited that situation because it is so cinematic. Uh, so maybe it won't be as good, but we'll find out. We'll, we'll find out. Clancy uh, loves it, doesn't he? Uh, he loves it maybe a little too much. I like it, but I don't know if I love it. Right, five more games for us to talk about, and we've still got 18 minutes, Matt Sherry, so we can really get deep on some of these games. I'm not so sure we want to get all that deep on Ravens Raiders. No, I mean, I think that that's a great lucky spot for the Ravens to get back on track with with Derek Carnock playing. And if the Ravens don't win that game, then the season's basically done for me, because that, that is the schedule God's looking fondly upon them um, because they should really win that game against DJ Manuel. I th- the thing is, Manuel, when he came in last week, right, he threw the pick, but he didn't look terrible yeah, he by did. any he, stretch he of the imagination. Yeah, he looked than I expected. I said that the other day, but you, ju- you would just think that a well-coached team like the Ravens should be able to go in there and get the win. And and I think they will. I mean, I just don't think Auckland are the kind of team that can win any other way than w- without the quarter. But I don't think they can cover enough of the other problems to, to to mask it against a team in the Ravens who, for all their injuries, should still be fairly competitive most weeks. Yeah, and, and uh, this is it. For all their injuries, Brandon Williams has been back in practice this week but still isn't 100% don't, confirmed. I don't think he practised yesterday, so I'm not sure he's going to play again. Yeah, so that which is... Which is the one thing that does concern me because Marshawn Lynch could... This could be the bounce-back game from... But I'm just... I, I don't know about you, I'm just not convinced that Marshawn Lynch has got anything left. He no. didn't have anything left before retirement. He Jalen Rashad's been their best running back for me this season. I'm just just not convinced that signing's going to really work out. But if they've, it is going to work out, we should see it this week. They've struggled to make plays, and Marshall Lynch in particular has struggled to make plays, getting beyond the first level. And then you've got Amari Cooper, who seems to drop one absolute clangor every single week. A guy who's meant to be a top-tier guy, but is starting to look more and more like a, a bust. The only thing for the Ravens is can they get the offence going with yeah, with Marshall Yonder out? We saw what's happened to them the last couple of weeks. Is that going to happen to them again this week? So, uh, like you say, it's they, they've been put in a very good situation and got very lucky. Hopefully, it's, um, hopefully for them, this is the week that they can get back on, on track. Uh, what is a more exciting... In fact, the, the, the next three games are all incredible. Starting off with the Seahawks being in LA to face the Rams. The Seahawks coming off that huge second-half performance against the Colts. The Rams coming off that massive win in, uh, in Dallas. And, uh, yeah, the, the NFC West is very much looking like it's on at the moment. Yeah, it's a huge game for Seattle. I mean, if they, if they drop to 2-3 and three and the Rams are 4-1, and one, then you're potentially looking at a situation where they're not going to even make the playoffs because you're still going to have to win kind of 10, 11 games to get in the playoffs if you don't win your division. So for me, it's a huge game for both because the Rams need to hold serve at home and the Seahawks kind of need to win and, 
and and start building some positive momentum after what you rightly said there was a was a really good second half performance last week. I, I think the the concern for me for the Seahawks is that you've got one of the best defensive schemers in the game in Son of Bum. You've got a lot of talent on that Rams defense that got a lot healthier. I know the Cowboys still put up 30 points, but they were much better than they had been against the 49ers on Thursday night football the week before. The Seahawks have shown that they have frailties on that side of the ball and now have lost another running back for the season. Uh, if If... If the Rams can, like I said last week, if the Rams can push out and get a decent lead, a couple of touchdown lead on the Seahawks, I think they might end up struggling. But if they can get going earlier, I think a good start is really imperative for Seattle this weekend. And this is a game which traditionally has been played very tight, and the Rams play very well against the division, even when they've been a bad team in recent years. And so there's a you know, there's an opportunity for them here to move to 4-1 and one against the team who have dominated that division for the last four or five years. Yeah, and for all Russell Wilson, I think, to looked a lot better in the last game and a half, that came against two of the worst defences in the league in Tennessee and, and Indianapolis. So I don't think the problems are solved on the Seattle, with the Seattle offence by any stretch of the imagination. I love and, this. and really, the, the, the Rams' defence, for all, have been poor this year. I mean, it, there's a huge amount of talent still on that defence, and you think Wade Phillips will get that unit playing well. So it's just a really intriguing game that I think one of those games that tells you a lot about both teams in it when all said and done. The top point scorers in the NFL this season. The top two are both featuring in this game. Todd Gurley with 42 points and Greg Zerline with 56. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> so seven field goals in a week will do for you. Uh, so uh, who are you picking? I think I'm taking the Rams. Uh, I'm going to go with Seattle just because I've seen them. I've seen them win in these kind of spots before. They were in a similar last year in terms of playing not too great and beat the Patriots in Foxborough and I think a big game like this I, I'm going to back Seattle I believe in Sean McVay uh, a bit <laughs> uh, then the Cowboys Packers a replay of a huge game from the playoffs last year that playoff shootout back in January that I'm sure lingers in the minds of both teams a day where Aaron Rodgers went ridiculous where uh, Dallas maybe threw the game away a little bit. Um, and this is, uh, again, Dallas can't lose back-to-back games at AT&T with the Eagles looking as strong as they do at the moment. No, I mean, it's a difficult one, isn't it? The, um, this is the opposite I, of the Ravens the, for, the, for the Cowboys. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nightmare spot, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, the way... The way they were handled last week in many ways by the Rams just doesn't bode well at home. And and I just don't think it's the best home field advantage, that stadium. It's not like if you flip the script and it was in Green Bay, you would say, oh, you'd massively favour the home team. I almost feel like it feels like a neutral site game in Jerry World at times because the stadium's maybe too nice that people enjoy that more than the game. But I just think this... I'm, I don't I think, think anybody... Have you seen anything from the Cowboys this season that suggests that they're the same team as last year? And for me, the answer is basically no. We thought we had on open and weekend, but then we've realised now that the Giants aren't very good. Um, I'm trying to think of the other game that they won. They got beat heavily in Denver, beat off the Rams. Who did they beat? It was the Cardinals, wasn't it, on yeah. Monday Night Football? So Which I think they I had a really, really good... They, the second half in that game. They had a really, really good second half in that game against the Cardinals, but that's the most healthy their offense has looked by some stretch. And the line just isn't protecting Dak very well, considering it's got 
three of the five best linemen in the league in it, maybe? Like three people who are considered best at their position. Um, And actually, I look around the rest of the NFC East alone and I say, I think the Washington line and the Eagles line right now are playing better than the Cowboys. Yeah, without a doubt. I think you're absolutely right on that. Um, And that's been one of the main reasons for the step back. Is, is is Sean Lee going to play? It's not looking likely. He didn't practice so yesterday. If, if there's no Sean Lee, then they've got big problems. I mean, Jalen Smith can't cover as a linebacker. And, and he, he actually had played pretty well in the two games before that. But he got exposed massively as the middle linebacker last week. And, and you could see the Packers being able to expose him even further. I, I can see Green Bay winning this by at least seven, to be honest. I, I think that coming off that big win against the Bears and... and most importantly, having 10 days rest, I think everything favours the Packers. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I, I, yeah, I think we'll probably be looking at uh, we'll probably be looking at a Packers win and the Cowboys slipping to two and three and uh, yeah, not being in a good situation. I kind I almost want to talk about Monday night football before we talk about Sunday night football because I want to save Sunday night football till last because on Monday Mitchell Trubisky makes his debut against of all teams the Vikings defense. On prime time, you know, if there's if there's a time to prove yourself, then you've been thrown very much into the fire with this one, Mitchell. Are we calling him Mitchell? Has that happened? Uh, no, I'm calling him Mitch. He wants to be called Mitchell, but it's preposterous. He has to earn Mitchell. He has to earn yeah, Mitchell, Mitchell by starting off by beating the Vikings on Monday. He does. I mean, one thing with the Bears is they've played both of their home games against good teams and played really well and could easily be 2-0 at home. I mean... Is Sam Bradford going to play again? Because that, if not, I think this game becomes really interesting. I think if Bradford plays, I would, I would favour the Vikings. But yeah, I'm, interesting to see Trubisky. I mean, he he did play well in preseason, and ultimately the bar is so low based on how terrible Mike Lennon was, and he was awful, wasn't he, over that stretch of games? So I think it's another game with a lot of intrigue. I mean, some of these Monday night games can be a bit rubbish, and you would probably look at this one has been the same if Glennon was playing, but how can you not be excited to see the second overall pick start at home against that defence? I think my concern for the Vikings is is kind of twofold. Uh, and it's kind of, maybe it's both on the offense because I think on the defensive side of the ball they look really strong. I, I love there's a couple of players who have been a bit unsung this season. Anthony Barr's been brilliant. Everson, Everson Griffin has been absolutely brilliant on the offensive side of the ball. Without Dalvin Cook and without probably Sam Bradford again this weekend although we're still waiting for confirmation on that they struggled last week I think they look a lot better on the line than they have done in recent years that's become a bit of a feature of today's show but and that's the great irony isn't it that the the Bradford somehow didn't get injured last year had that great performance in week one and somehow has got injured when he was wasn't hit at all virtually in that game and I think we've all seen that we're higher on the Bears a defence than maybe we expected to be. I liked a lot of the talent, but I thought they'd be maybe a similar situation to the 49ers where the defence looked good but didn't really manage to keep them in games, whereas actually it really has kept them in games. Um, uh, So I think it's a more level playing field again. We've been saying this on a lot of the games this week than the record suggests, but I still lean Vikings. Yeah, I mean, I I think the Bears will win if if Bradford doesn't play, I must admit, but that's based on having a, a small degree of belief in Trubisky, even though I think it's a tough spot. And the running game, I think, protects a young quarterback. So I, if, if the Vikings do lose, this is quickly becoming the season of what might have been for them because it's just having looked so impressive in week one. And their defence has been awesome still, even 
with with Case Keenum not sustaining drives a quarterback for for most weeks. But at two and three, I mean, it would be a real shame for the Vikings. The Super Bowl's in Minnesota this year. I think everybody would have liked to have seen that fairy tale come to fruition of them playing in that Super Bowl. Let's but, let's not forget this is a Vikings team who have recently gone five and zero to start a season. So you say the season of what might have been. It's becoming the almost the team of what might have been. All right, not quite to the level where they've been to numerous Super Bowls and lost them like previous Vikings teams, but consistently but think, every yeah, year. I think we all look at them and say they can hang with any team in the NFL when everybody's healthy and maybe you're as good as any team in the NFL. So it's a game they have to win, but I, I think I would potentially lean... Would I lean Bears? I think I would slightly lean Bears if if Bradford doesn't play. Now, the game of the weekend is Sunday night football. The last undefeated team in the league, the Kansas City Chiefs, at 4-0, and heading to Houston to take on a Texans team who last week put 57 points on a team that a lot of people liked to win their division with a rookie quarterback under centre. This is this is a barnstormer. This is an absolutely stonking game of football. And I, I, genuinely, this is as much of a coin flip as I can think of recently because you've got the really strong Chiefs defence going up against a, a Texans offence that put up 57 points last week. And thanks to, to Sean Watson, finally have managed to find a way to get Lamar Miller and Donta Foreman going because the defence have to... They've been running option plays. They've been running bootlegs. They've been doing all the stuff you need to do with a mobile quarterback. But then you've got the Chiefs, the best offensive scheming in the team in the league at the moment, going up against that Texans defence. I, I, this is I, this is just great. It's just really great football match. <laughs> It is really great, unbelievably so. Um, I mean, the Texans have been as impressive in the last two weeks as any team in the NFL. I mean, I know that they didn't win in Foxborough, but to go in there with a rookie quarterback and that the Patriots weren't great on defense in that game by any stretch, but they were. It wasn't the same as Carolina going in there and winning when there were numerous breakdowns. A lot of the that game was largely just Deshaun Watson making plays, and then. Deshaun Watson is just making more plays with every game that we see, and he's look, looking increasingly comfortable. So, I, I think I think the Chiefs are just favoured in this game, but I, I would give the edge to the Texans. It's a point. It's literally a point line difference. Yeah, it's a, it's basically a pick'em game, isn't it? I mean, I I would say it is. It should be a pick'em game, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that I like the Texans, but it's on the proviso that for all of being good, the Texans' defense hasn't been as good as I think anybody expected it to be just yet. Um, with all of the talent that they've got, so I mean, there's still the defense, uh, they're, they're, they're still they're an still element of good. them trying to figure it out as well because they've always had big injuries. Yeah, absolutely. It's the first time they've probably had merciless Watt and Clowney on the field at the same time, and and th- those three guys are almost so interchangeable and movable that maybe you can try and do too much with them. But yeah, I, th- I think I think it's a hugely exciting game. I would lean towards the Texans, but would by no means be surprised to see the Chiefs lose. And also an exciting one because we could see the final unbeaten record of the season go, or we could see it extended in a really tough spot. The Dolphins popping corks left, right and centre. I'm going Chiefs just because I get that the Texans had that huge win last week and that was a big emotional thing for them. And, and we go back to week one and maybe the emotion of the occasion and having not trained at home and the displacement and everything else was one of the things that really cost them against the Jags. But Kareem Hunt is having an unbelievable season. The line looks good. If they can establish the run and if they can continue to do the wrinkles on offense, getting Kelsey involved, getting Hill involved, get all of that stuff that they've been doing, I think they'll score points. 
I think their defence has and their scheming has enough where the Titans didn't to be able to at least shut Deshaun Watson down in some way. Because Deshaun Watson, for as brilliant as he's been the last two weeks, has gone up against a Patriots defence who, until last night, were on record for being one of the worst in NFL history based on pace. We all know that was never going to be where they were because they'd figure it out, but... That just shows you how bad they were over the first few weeks. And then last week they came up against the Titans defense, who are still figuring it out with all those new bits in the secondary. So I just think that for Deshaun Watson, this is the biggest test so far for him. And I think it's a test that he might look good, but not quite pass. I think he rises to the occasion. I'd, I'd love it if he guy, does. Really I really like Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I, I'm I, totally, I'm totally with you. Um, look, Matt Sherry, we need to get out. I need to go and do some real work. Plus, we've taken the, the can, full can hour up, and we've it? still got to get fancy darlings in for everyone who wants their, their fantasy help. I'm just going to say one thing. We've had loads of messages about Game Pass. I completely agree with it all. I mean, what what we can't do a huge amount about it, and are largely in the same boat as a lot of fans. I mean, my own service has been fine, but I'm aware there's been Huge problems. Every person that's contacted us, we are passing the message along and and trying to do what we can to help. I've had and hopefully it gets fixed. I've had conversations as well with people within the NFL and within NFL UK about whether or not they'd be willing to kind of do an interview. I know that Mark Waller spoke with a BBC journalist this past week and they did a bit of and and they spoke with someone from the app developer as well. I can't remember the guy's name, but he posted it's it's one of the guys from Watchdog. So if you go and check out his Twitter feed, there is a really interesting interview where, okay, there's a lot of kind of classic kind of blunder and trying to force their way through it. But, you know, they are... The, the, the general message is they're aware of the issues and they're desperately trying to fix it. And actually, they've had a 97% stability and the people who are complaining of the small number of cases and everything else. It's a horrible situation, particularly if you spent the sort of money a lot of people have spent. Um, and, and we t- totally sympathise. We're not going to be doing some kind of big uh, investigative journalism into it at the moment. But, uh, you yeah, know, absolutely, you're completely right. And we are passing on everyone's messages. And also, I mean, the the, the app developers' comment, uh, post and reviews is ludicrous. So I'm not surprised that if Watchdog have got involved, that is that is pretty wild. Okay, look, brilliant stuff, guys. Um, thank you very much to you, Matt Sherry. Uh, touchdown trips. We'll keep banging on about it, but we're going to be. We've got to figure out how we're going to be doing our podcasts out there because we've got <laughs> 25 people there ready to be a live audience. We could do some live shows, even if they're just in our bloody hotel room with a group of 10 guys stood around asking questions and getting involved. We'll figure out some really cool, fun stuff to do while we're out there with touchdown trips and with Ben Mortimer and the guys. Uh, so keep checking them out online. Keep getting in touch with us at Gridiron on. On Twitter. We love hearing from you. Matt Sherry, you get Ollie's job this week. Any final thoughts? Not really. The, 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 my main final thought is that that bloody gridiron tour is excited I, uh, as I am. is like three weeks away or something. Now it's crazy. Um, so yeah, can't wait for that. Brilliant stuff. Thank you to you, Matt Sherry. Thank you to Ollie Hunter and for everyone that's got involved on the Twitter, etc. Uh, we'll see you off on this week's Red Iron Show with, a, show with another edition of Neil Dutton, N Dutton 13 on Twitter. Go follow him. He's one of the best. And his fancy darlings. <laughs> advice to anyone responsible for staff at any place of work. If you want a previously steady employee to suddenly slip their bonds and begin producing at a much higher level, bring in their replacement and have them sit behind them. The result should be instant, at least this seems to be what the Chiefs are telling us with how they've handled Alex Smith this season. 
Thought to be on a short leash after the drafting of Patrick Mahomes, Smith has instead performed at a level that may make him the MVP through the first four weeks of the season. He's currently averaging 22.4 fantasy points per game, and with bye weeks beginning in week five, he's certainly an attractive streaming option against the Texans. The vaunted defensive powerhouse of yesteryear seem to be struggling somewhat in 2017, and are allowing 16.52 fantasy points per game to opposing QBs. My love and respect for Andy Reid aside, I see no reason why Smith shouldn't approach or even top this output this week. The enduring image of the iconic Mini Cooper is from the movie The Italian Job, as three of those charming little vehicles led the Italian police on a merry dance through the streets of Turin. The enduring image of the 2017 Amari Cooper is watching him with his head in the hands that should be cradling a ball, which instead lies on the turf. Cooper has just 12 receptions through four games, and even more worryingly, has seven drops. His production, such as it is, is likely to take a hit with quarterback Derek Carr sitting out with a back injury, placing EJ Manuel into the starting lineup. Throw in a matchup against a Ravens team that is allowing the fourth fewest fantasy points to wide receivers this season, and it wouldn't be hard to imagine that Charlie Croker's idea this week would be to sit Cooper. I'd be stunned if he was able to blow the bloody doors off against the Ravens. The King may or may not be dead, but currently the Duke is reigning. At least Duke Johnson is in the Browns' backfield. After just three touchdowns on 291 touches in his first two seasons, Johnson has two on 30 already this season, with two rushing scores in his last two outings. These two games have also seen him reel in 15 receptions for 128 yards. This week he locks horns with a Jets defence that, while better than most expected this season, has still been quite welcoming towards fantasy running backs. They've allowed the third most fantasy points to the position, giving up 108.2 yards on the ground and 55.7 yards receiving per game. With the Browns ailing at wide receiver, which is surely the only reason Kenny Britt is still gainfully employed, the Browns may have to look early and often for the Duke. So should you. Despite what on paper appeared to be a dominant performance last week, the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense continues to miss fire. One badly functioning piece so far has been the returning Martavis Bryant. Far from being the dynamic game-changer we all remember from 2015, Bryant has limped along all season long, never posting more than three grabs in a single game. He has posted fewer than 7.8 PPR points in three of his four outings so far. Things don't appear to be getting easier this week, as the Steelers go up against the Jaguars and their shutdown duo of Jalen Ramsey and AJ Aboye. Wide receivers are only getting 78.5 yards on average against the, against the Texans, with just a single touchdown allowed. It should be another quiet one for Martavis. The feisty Jets have been one of the more pleasant surprises of the 2017 season, unless you're a Patriots fan, in which case pleasant is a state you've rarely encountered this year. In their last two victories, they have looked to the returning Austin Safarian Jenkins ten times, and he's caught nine of these targets. He's averaging 8.3 PPR points in these two games, a number that he should exceed with some ease this week against the Cleveland Browns. The winless and hapless Browns have given up 67.5 yards per game to tight ends this season and allowed the second most fantasy points per outing at 19.8. They've also allowed Jesse James and Tyler Croft to catch two touchdowns against them. In the Josh McCown revenge game, I expect he will pepper ASJ as he reminds the Browns just what they're missing. Or something like that. Matthew Stafford enjoyed a hot start to his 2017 season, tossing four touchdown passes as the Lions eased past the Cardinals in Week 1. 
The heat has been turned down somewhat in recent weeks, however, as he has just three touchdowns in his last three games and zero last week against the Vikings. The Panthers have been ridiculously stingy to quarterbacks on average this season, despite Tom Brady having something approaching his way with them last week, and have allowed the eighth fewest fantasy points per game to the position, as well as giving up just 211 passing yards per game. The Lions have shown that they can find different ways to win this season without relying exclusively on the arm of Matt Stafford. Fantasy owners may have to do something similar this week. 